Blitz is defined as a sudden, savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation, man to man. No excuses are offered. None accepted. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts, lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk man. I back it up. And we are talk full of that, man. right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. And that's the bottom line. Stone Cold sets up. If you're gonna blitz, come strong, but don't come at all. Coming strong with it this week because we are back at full strength. I am Jeff Howe, back for another edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Episode 27 of the reincarnation of the Blitz. <laughs> track at home. Uh, not a lot of time to waste, so let's go ahead and get into it right away. He is the master of the soundboard, the drop machine extraordinaire. No longer the man behind the glass, but the man that sits right across from me. He's got an earpiece to his ear right now, doing technical things that I don't know what's going on back there. But <laughs> Matt Butler, what's up, Matt? I'll just listening in, but uh, been looking forward to hearing from you just about your travels and just not necessarily travels, your uh, hibernation, staying home yeah, and taking no. care of a baby. No, he ain't been hibernating. No, yeah, no. no. no, no. <laughs> Nobody's been that house is sleeping. He's I know like that for Papa a Papa Bear in the cave, that though. He's in the cave <laughs> with the mama. I finally had to get some sleep this weekend because I was, <laughs> was going to go nuts. But uh, my wife's not a big fan of naps, so she's learn, she's learning to uh, adapt the nap. Mm-hmm. You no, know. oh, the nap is crucial yes. when there's a new baby in the house. Yes. Everybody takes a nap. Dogs included. Yes. Uh, a man that knows about naps <laughs> and other cultural things that can be good for the soul. Uh, he's a renaissance man here on our renaissance man here on the Blitz. Uh, lifetime Longhorn, 2002 UT All-America, 2002 semifinalist. For the Jim Thorpe Award, fourth round draft choice of the New York Giants. Back in 2003, spent his NFL career with the Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and a year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats of the CFL. When he was done with football, got himself back to Austin, Texas, and the 40 Acres where he earned his degree. If he had a T-ring, he would wear it proudly. Mm. Nevertheless, he is a card-carrying member of DBU. Number 21 in your program, number one in your hearts, Mr. Rod Babers. Rod, be that T-ring slipped through your fingers like like those no, footballs man. used to. I lost it on, like three years ago, and I'm upset with myself. What I did, I think I did is I think I washed, because I think I washed my hands, and I used to take it off when I washed my hands. Uh, and I think one day, like I was drunk or something went to a like yeah it was a hotel i think too because we were it was like a staycation i think i took it off while washing my hands and left it there and then that panic feeling hits you when you and realize. i was like where the hell is it and i man it was it still hurts me i think that was when you day. but i gotta go back and get another one that was my second one that i'd ever had so i'd already replaced one yes I, so I know you can go it's cost like three hundred dollars i mean of course you have to be a Letterman, but it right. costs like three hundred bucks. Right. You had lost yeah. You can't it, just you. go up to the football office. Like, yeah, I'd like a T ring, please. I no. know. <laughs> yeah. And the first one I got for free. That money on the counter. Yeah. The first one actually, they hooked me up. I got it for free. They were like, oh, no, no worries, look it up. But this time I think I had to pay. <laughs> hey man, we uh, so reckon you got like two. Two, two, two T-rings already. I'm like, yeah, you know what I mean? I need another one. So, you know, I think I can just like, get a bunch of them. We'll see. I might have, like, a racket going. 
<laughs> might be hooking people up with T-Rig. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> 10 G's, baby. You know you can't get this. No, some booster or something. You want the, some T-Rig? I'll hook it up, dog. I'll hook it up. Rod be running the T-Ring Counterfeit T-Ring. Oh, man. I wish I wouldn't have said man, that on air. Market, yeah. Right, yeah. I wish I wouldn't have said that on be air. Be that guy. Damn it. Now I'm like Trump. There's a record of it out there. There was literally a guy in New York that was selling these gold, like, Damn doubloon, it. like, fake, like, Chuck E. Cheese money and selling them as Bitcoins to people. And oh, I rev- saw that story. I saw counterfeit, like, Oh, last week idea. with John Oliver, I think. I saw yes, story. it's hilarious. Yeah. Well, um, Matt, you said yeah. you want to know Damn about it. how things have been going at the house. Uh, it's been a while since I've been on the show. I've missed two weeks, but uh, my wife did give birth uh, to a baby girl. And, uh, it's a beautiful thing, baby. Man, Travis over here on the couch running the video knows, knows. Uh, you know, when when mm-hmm. the whole birth experience happens, those first few minutes, you can't really describe the, the feels you get during that whole time. Feels. And uh, it's amazing, mm-hmm. man. But, you know, now. Did you cry? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Nice. I like it. And man. I like the man Those calling you times in life where a grown man cries Honestly, for something that's yeah, and, and actually I'll, tears of joy. Tears of joy. Yes, that's I'll, rare. I'll admit this. Rare, man. The first, the first probably three or four days, I was like a waterfall, man. I could not control my emotions. <laughs> like, quick story: we're we're loading the car to leave the we're loading the car to leave the hospital. So I recorded the blitz, uh, the last blitz I recorded. We did it Wednesday, Wednesday afternoon. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we were in the hospital, checked in at seven o'clock that night. And to give you guys kind of the timeline, my wife gave birth at 1.26 a.m. on Friday. Uh, we didn't leave the hospital okay. till probably about, I think it was like 1 o'clock Sunday afternoon. That's like 30 hours of labor. So we were there. We're in the hospital for a long time, so we were ready yeah. to get out. So I don't know if it's if it was the ready-to-get-home part or what, but we're loading the car, and I'm putting the car seat in the car, and I'm pulling out away from the hospital. And, man, I... I just start bawling like for no reason. I tell my wife, I'm like, what the hell is wrong with me? These like, are the things like you accumulate like, the traits of your. It's like just crazy. uncontrollable. And it just happens, hey, man. man. Yeah, it's man. That connection. You never felt a connection like this in your life, no. man. This is new for you. This is this, this a connection to a, another human being that yeah. you've never, ever felt. No, no. Trust me. I have enough friends now. Even, even like Boskis and Sims and Shanahan, all those guys, like they had these stories, really very similar yeah, to you. So I like, already know. I was like, I love, how many times did you cry? It's like I when you see like, you're, like, <laughs> a little kid, you know, sometimes can't describe the emotions yeah, he's feeling, just yeah. overwhelmed. It sounds as if like he had one of those it's as tears a of joy man. In, yeah. in, in football. Like it really in, in sports, you hear these times where people mm-hmm. will cry just out of tears of joy. I've never cried tears of joy. And I'm, I'm, I, I'm envious. Like I've never cried in my life because I'm so overwhelmed by an emotion that I, that is a positive it was, emotion. I've never had that. I always I cry because I'm trying it's to sad. think. I don't think I have. No. Was, tears uh, of joy. Is all, dude, that's tears of joy. Yeah, yeah. Was that your first time having tears of joy? Um... You know what I mean? That I think so, yeah. yeah. Like, legit. That. Real, Unless yeah. you cried at your wedding. Like, it's rare, dude, to cry no, tears my, of joy. At my wedding, I almost did, but I, I, I choked it caught back. Caught yourself? I choked, I yeah. caught me, yeah. I <laughs> choked, choked uh, it back a little bit. That's, yeah. that, that shows uh, the difference in have a baby Dang, become yeah. a dad. That's true. It's, it's just saying. I'm telling you, man. And, and it was interesting because I, I couldn't be in the delivery room because my wife had some complications with the anesthetic, so I had to put her under, so it was kind of like yeah. surgery protocol, so I had to wait outside. But... You're waiting outside the door, and when you hear, you know, you hear the cries for the first time. That's when it really, 
it just hits you and it's yeah. a wave of, it's a wave of stuff that like i love my wife don't even i without question hey, but know, this yeah, is a whole different yeah it's, it's a else, whole man. different deal man. it's a uh, yeah it's 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 existential it's yeah, yeah and my it's wife outside said, the realm my of, wife said the same thing I'm like my wife rod i've told you you and my wife remind me a, a lot of each other because mm-hmm. my wife is a sociopath my wife can yeah. my wife can remove mm-hmm. the emotion from just about any situation Boom. yeah exactly uh, break it down to you not not this like one, nick though. saban and, style yeah and she, <laughs> I mean, my, my wife admitted like this was a different deal for her too so yeah man no, um, man, that's, it's, it's beautiful man that's a beautiful thing you always hear that from parents just that i mean your whole that's life. why that's why you want to become a parent because you got to experience that and then you get to experience it different ways and People get addicted to that, by the way. There are there are women out there. I'm not gonna name any names. I I've been talking to different women, um, and they they <laughs> get addicted. That's why they want to have no, kids more. Yeah. They want to have more kids. They get addicted to that feeling. And I'm, yeah, the first time where you've been it's responsible religious. for it's, yourself, and yeah. then like you can't even fathom oh, something that you have brought in that is an extension of you that to, you are responsible for. It's just I love my dog level. too damn much. You, you know, know exactly. what I mean? So I can imagine having a child, <laughs> yeah, something my, that's from me. It come on, man. I yeah, would lose I'm, my stuff all the time i'm pretty <laughs> sh- i'm pretty sure we're one and done with having kids i'm pretty sure ah uh, you say that though i've heard also have heard that before <laughs> that Boom. also could i can be... tell you how many times i've heard that bro i'm done with Travis it man. right what? there just Travis, raised his hand you know, and then you're yeah. also admitting though that then if you do have another one no, by accident uh, yeah. that you're that child's a mistake yeah, well, <laughs> dude, dude, I can't. I think every probably. I think, I think we got our, we got four. Yeah, I, I would say probably half of us were considered well, like mistakes yes. Oh, yes, at the time. Sure. But you know, it's a happy accident. Happy accidents happen all the time. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, so sleep has been it's at a beautiful. premium at my house. Um, I managed to get a few hours, but it's amazing. Like once you adjust to no sleep, what the body can do with like two hours of sleep. So you're like Navy, you're like a Navy SEAL right now, dude. You don't need no sleep. Like you, you know what I mean? You just becoming that, getting that mode where all right, it it's instinctual, Rod. Right? Yeah, like no, making bottles, changing diapers. Yeah. It's just like it's evolution, I, I don't, man. You don't even think about it. It's, it's in your like DNA. At this it's point. in your DNA, man. Uh, what also is instinctual for me is talking Texas football, and mm. I know, you know baseball going on right now. It's true. Basketball's getting ready to play in the NCAA tournament, but mm. the spring football starts next week, and I wanted to take this show to preview spring ball. And Rod, I want to start with this, and, and I want to start with the defense because I want to get your take on this and kind of dovetail this into our defensive conversation. Uh, we know this will be a different Texas defense in 2018, and this will be yeah. Todd Orlando's first chance to, to work with his defense. And I started thinking about some of the similarities between a defense that it seemed like Charlie Strong was trying to pattern Texas after yeah. uh, and where they are now where Texas is. And I was thinking about this uh, when Richard Sherman got released by the Seahawks. Hmm. Uh, that the Legion of Boom is no more. I, no, it's I, done. I, the Seahawks are planning yeah. on keeping Earl Thomas, it sounds like now. Yeah. Most likely. If somebody doesn't make a blockbuster trade for him. Right. Uh, I mean, if they offer like two ones for Earl they Thomas, want, which probably won't happen. Yeah, but yeah. They, yeah. yeah. they want at they least the second and something if else. If they get the right offer, then I think they might be they willing to Because the writing's been on the wall. Earl, right. that's why he went to talk to Dallas coaches and has been putting himself out there how mm. much he's wanted to play in other areas because he knew this offseason was coming with other guys not being able to resume. It was yeah. going to be the next step. But, you know, Jeremy Lane gets released. Michael Bennett gets traded. Mm-hmm. Richard Sherman's released. Uh, Cam Chancellor's probably going to be a, a June 1 cut, maybe. It sounds like he's not. Or, I don't know if it's Cam Chancellor a free agent. It doesn't sound like Cam Chancellor's going to be there much longer. Mm-hmm. That's the bottom line. Not future planning. And when I started thinking about the breakup of the Seahawks and that Legion of Boom defense and the secondary, I started thinking about the Texas secondary. And I'm happy that at least we got to kind of – it yeah. wasn't Charlie Strong coaching this team, but at least we kind of got to see his vision come to fruition of what this secondary – could look like when you put all these pieces together and 
the Maryland game being the outlier, really from the San Jose State game through the uh, through the TCU game, which was Holton Hill's last game. Yeah. When you had Holton Hill and Chris Boyd at corner with Deshaun Elliott at safety, uh, with PJ Lock. I mean, I'm sorry, with Brandon Jones at the other state too. Brandon Jones, as the season went on, started playing better and better and better. better. Mm-hmm. And then really the answer they found at Nickelback ended up being Antoine Davis as Happy Accidents. Exactly. Of happy mm-hmm. Accidents. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> PJ Lock. The best football we've ever seen him play. PJ Lock gets hurt against Baylor. Antoine Davis comes in and is phenomenal the rest of the year. Uh, but Rod, we finally, we really got to see. The vision of that Charlie Strong staff when they recruited those guys in 2015, Chris Boyd and Holton Hill and P.J. Locke and Deshaun Elliott, we got to see the vision of that secondary really come mm-hmm. to life under Todd Orlando. And, you know, you could talk about Malik, you can talk about Puna Ford. The argument can be made that that secondary was the backbone of that defense. The argument can be made. I know we could talk about, again, Puna Ford or Malik Jefferson or whatever, but that secondary was really, really good. And now Todd Orlando's going into his second spring at Texas as the, at the same time the Legion of Boom is breaking up that he's got to revamp this Texas secondary. Mm-hmm. Holton Hill's gone. Deshaun Elliott's gone. Antoine Davis, who ended up being your answer at nickel, he's gone. Jason Hall, who ended up yeah. another, again, yeah, happy one of those versatile pieces. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. They really, decided yeah. that, you know, John Bonney was in there as the dime back, yeah. and they decided that hey, we want a little bit more of a pass rush presence. Yep. Didn't like that they were getting from Nation. He used to run. They put in Jason Hall as a six defensive back, took the B backer spot, and boom, boom. It ended up being a great move for this defense. Yeah. So, Rod, I want to start. Our spring preview talking about the secondary, and when Ooh. you look at when you look at how the pieces fit, DBU, you've got a guy in Chris Boyd who played the last half of the year like a legitimate number one corner should play. You look at some of the games he had. Oklahoma State's one that sticks out. Texas, Texas Tech. Tech is one that sticks out. Uh, even the bowl game, some of the things he did in the bowl game. Got to find another corner. You know, Josh Thompson's probably going to move to nickel. Probably going to get him For a look at nickel. Being. Right. Yeah. PJ Locke and Brandon Jones at safety. But Rod, dare I say this next wave of recruits, and it starts with Anthony Cook, Caden Stearns, and BJ Foster, mm-hmm. the guys who were on campus right now from that 2018 class. It's going to be an interesting spring in the secondary with those three guys kind of lurking. And I don't think the staff is going to hesitate if those guys prove to be their best options at some point. I don't think it's going to, I don't think we should be surprised if at some point we're hearing about. B.J. Foster getting some first-team reps or Anthony Cook getting some first-team reps or Caden Stearns getting some first-team reps. Yeah, I think uh, you go in with that class um, and you go into the go into it with the thought process that these defensive backs, from what I see from early on, and I'm sure that Todd Orlando has a plan, that you let those guys compete for reps, um, essentially like early on. I'm talking about in, in spring early on, of course, in spring football, of course, coming up, and then doing, you know, two-a-days and, and then going on in a training camp and all that kind of stuff because they're that talented and you had so many different guys leave your secondary that were not only starters and at one point the best players on that defense, Deshaun Elliott, Houghton Hill at times. Even Pro Football Focus said that Houghton Hill – for the was it nine games that he Holden Hill graded it higher than any Texas. He was the highest player. graded yeah. Texas defender. So he that you know I mean so he was the best player on the defense at one point. Deshaun Elliott probably made more plays than any player on the defense at one point. Jason Hall was probably one of your most versatile defenders. He made you um, that he made that dime defense. He made it able to be 
being defense that could support the run effectively with a guy like Jason Hall in there. And then you had Bonnie, who you used effectively, and then you got Antoine Davis, who stepped in at the nickel. You lose some of those guys. You don't lose Bonnie, but you lose like four guys out of that secondary. You got the best defensive back haul, arguably, in the history of recruiting, modern-day recruiting, coming in. You got to let all those guys compete. You never know what you're going to get. I remember coming in in 99 with you know Monty Collier and Kendrick Turner, uh, Dakari Pearson came in in my class. Yeah, I think we had actually another safety, too, that I'm forgetting about. But we had a really mm-hmm. good defensive back class. And hey, we didn't know who was going to play I mean, early on. Ended up, you know, I ended up being the guy that won the most reps. But Monte Collier was higher rated than I think I was. And Kendrick Turner was way faster than anybody else on the team. That guy was a legitimate 4-2 guy. Right. Um, hell, we had no idea. And then Dakari Pearson ended up being a freshman All-American when he did play. So, right. I mean, we, never, we didn't know who was going to end up being the guy that distanced themselves from the rest of the pack. So if you're Tom Herman, you can't go into it with any preconceived notions. Or if you're Todd Orlando, you can't go into it with preconceived notions. Because Chris Boyd, I think, is going to end up being the guy in my prediction. We talked about this last show, which Texas defender with the top four defenders period on the defense leaving this year, whether it be Puna Ford talking about Malik Jefferson, Houghton Hill, Deshaun Elliott, they're all going. Who's going to step up and become the best player on defense for the Texas Longhorn defense this year? I think it's Chris Boyd is one of those guys. Yeah. Uh, Pro Football Focus said he was the highest grade defender in the country in that Texas Tech game. Right. Um, and I got that from Horns 247, like in the country. Almost not had just a, almost had a grade of 100. It was like 90.6. It was almost a perfect six. game. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, the Longhorns lost that game, but he was the best player on the field for the Texas defense. And when Houghton Hill went down, um, well, it went down when he was suspended, um, you know, I mean, you could argue that basically Chris Boyd stepped up as a shutdown corner in yeah. his presence. And he actually got better when Houghton Hill left. Like that to me is a really, really like optimistic view of it that Chris Boyd can step up now and be that that presence that Houghton Hill was. You can build a defense around that, okay. having a shutdown corner. And which is which is rare. Right. And these, these metrics are awesome to be able to look at these things because like you talk bring up Houghton Hill was eighty seven point eight and you look at the rest of the Big 12, there was only two of the DBs on the all-Big 12 team with a higher grade. And then when you bring up, though, you see that you already had the high grade by Elliott. You see a high grade whenever replaced by Boyd. It makes me think about some of the metrics I've seen a lot this year in the NBA where you learn about the Celtics because of the framework of the defense is so good. It isn't that Kyrie Irving became so much better of a defender, but within a framework of a great defense you then individually can be heightened above say your skill set or below so it's just interesting to see if say this maybe tells us more that we're seeing that Orlando's defense puts these guys in great situations to where next player up may have the opportunity to grade out that high or was this all very good individualized performances and next year we're going to see a drastic drop because we don't have Deshaun Elliott or Holton Hill or now Boyd's in a heightened role but just seeing and hearing how once Holton left, then you see these other high grades and seeing it across the whole secondary. It reminds me of how you look at the individual metrics in the NBA, and sometimes you learn more about the whole defense as a whole than necessarily how great these individuals are performing within the whole defense. So it could be really good for Texas if that's good the point. case. So, Rod, if we're saying we can – we can build a defense around Chris Board. We being us in the Todd Orlando chair. You're passing. You, yeah, you can yeah, start pass defense game plan. Right. You know what I mean, it starts with Chris Boyd. Mm. So look, I want to talk about some of those other pieces. Like, where are you at on Brandon Jones going into spring ball? And and I man, I'm gonna yield I'm gonna yield to you oh, on the man. on a lot of the DB conversation because that's your that's, wheelhouse. You know why that's tough? 
because you got two safeties coming in. Um, and I don't know if they're pro- they're project they're projecting B.J. Foster and you know, obviously Caden Stearns with safeties. Now I'm I'm sure that maybe if you want to use those guys in a nickel package, that maybe a Caden Stearns could come down maybe and play a nickel like maybe he Stearns could do should that. get some, a look at nickel. I think Stearns is going to get a look at corner too. Is he really? Yeah. So I, yeah, it depends on where they're projecting these guys because I haven't heard people talking about B.J. Foster could play corner too. Like and he's, he's, he's got B.J. Foster's got a corner skill set. See, yeah. yeah, and I know Anthony Cook is strictly a corner, so I don't know exactly what the coaches are doing in terms of projection. So I'll, I'll, I'll just we'll leave that as a variable that really is kind of an unknown in the conversation. Mm-hmm. But man. Listen, I know Brandon Jones, he played really good down the stretch. He played much better down the stretch. He was really good. Much better down the stretch. But, man, you got two guys who can play safety who I think also can cover like corners, mm-hmm. which was Coach Aquina's, like that was his um, his utopian dream for a secondary. You know what I mean? just how, And that was Michael Huff. Mm-hmm. That's the guy that won your, right. your Thorpe Award that's, you know, on the Mount Rushmore of Texas football DBU uh, because he, he that's the guy that basically could play corner. And he could play safety. Like, he was that kind of athlete. Nathan Vasher. Nathan Vasher was one of those guys. I think you got two guys like that kind of in this coming in this class with B.J. Foster and Caden Stearns. Jalen Green plays some safety. You know what I mean? So, yeah, so. <laughs> I like Brandon Jones, but, man, he, 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 better, he better get it right. Like, he better kick it in gear. Like, I could see it. It's the same thing that happened, like, with Ahmad Brooks, who had his birthday uh, yesterday, actually. Who, um, I mean, he was playing at corner, I think, when – Coach Aquina first came in, and you know he had gotten basically he had, they had take we had overtaken him at corner usurped him because they had Quentin Jammer at one corner and then I had earned the other corner. All right, I took the starting job, so he was at corner, got lost there, but then reemerged as a safety. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because Coach Aquina wanted guys that could cover. He coveted skill sets that was kind of a five-tool skill set, and that's what he wanted. Nathan Vasher, Quentin Jammer, Ahmad Brooks, all those guys played safety and corner, and those guys were in the starting secondary with me in 2001. You know what I mean? So that right. that's what he wanted. I think that's kind of the modern-day look at secondaries if you can have that luxury. Texas has that luxury. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Brandon Jones, he's he played you know good, well down the stretch, but, yeah, he's got – He's got to worry about his job, no doubt about it. So and Brandon Jones is a guy going into the spring that you say about his you're, job. You're, you're on the clock. Yeah, man. You know it. He know it, too. He's a fool if he don't. Right. And he's that, a fool he's if he thinks of, he's the starter going in, like assumed starter. No, man. Got it locked down. You go yeah. in the spring as a monster, as a beast. You know they're coming for your job. Yeah. So, and you know what? That's why this secondary is going to be really good because that's how it was when I was there. When I was there, when I saw Nathan Vasher out there, I was like, and I'm saying I gotta stay at the practice. I gotta start watching more film. This dude is a beast. And then he wanna hang out with me. Hey man, Robbie, where you going? Hey. All right, man. Come on, man. Let's go watch some more film. Like you'll do what I do. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And that, when I saw Michael Huff and Cedric Griffin, it was the same way. I was like, man, these these young bucks, they ready to go. Like they 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 where, ready. And that's when your 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 competition level rises to the point yeah. where, <laughs> man, you you every every day in practice you are playing like the best secondary in the country. And then hopefully the wide receivers, you know, they can counter that and they start building. I've even heard wide receivers in this class or in two twenty nineteen class talk about, man, we're going up against the best D, best young DBs in the country. Like I'm looking forward to that. Like so that's becoming mm-hmm. a buzz. 
That's, yep. and they're, they're pitching that's that a when they're recruiting. Thing, like a they're Roy Williams, that. like the way y'all talk about yeah, those practices. That's exactly right. With Roy and, Williams yeah. and B.J. Johnson and Sloan Thomas, yeah. dude, that was money. That yeah. was those were, and, and then y'all those, were competing to beat them just out of your natural was, com, com, just yeah. competitiveness in, as a person. It took us to the next level. You might be looking at something yeah. like that with this group. Because when you, you brought, like when you talk about though, uh, just the Brandon Jones aspect of it, that's where fans would almost want to root for Jones because if he's a guy that can stay able, because you know those freshmen aren't going anywhere, and they're really good and if somehow like you can keep your head above water it's only going to bring them higher with you so it'd be something really good to see get that depth that we've talked about lacking for about a decade it's it's interesting that we're talking about a guy in brandon jones who was the number one safety prospect in the country a couple years ago Mm -hmm. and now we're talking about him but that's when this place has been really good that's what it's been yeah it's always a game when when we're really good i'm serious they were bringing in all these young dbs like damn these dudes are good these yeah. are like <laughs> NFL players. Like that, I mean, hell, you know what I mean? Like so like, it, it pushed me, it pushed it pushed Brooks, it pushed uh even Jammer. I'm sure even Jammer felt it like it and Jammer was the man. Jammer ended up being like a right. top five pick in the draft, but it pushed everybody in that room. You want to be in the front. They had the desk set up like a classroom, you know what I mean? <laughs> and the starters, we all sit up front. You know what yep. I mean? We get to talk to Coach Akina, he's hanging out there, we kicking it, laid back. You wanted to be in the front, and then it, it broke down like a depth chart. So you was always <laughs> looking at the guy in front of you like man so, i want to be in that top seat i want to be in that seat with coach so for you know decades coach Kinn is bringing you up on the board like hey de- robbie i need you to draw up this cover this coverage right here and then we go against this route concept tell me what this corner is going to do tell me what help you got and then where the linebacker is supposed to be all this kind of stuff and you know i mean the youngsters was just you know they get asked questions and stuff but you want to be in that front seat man that's what it became all about it was beautiful if, was if beautiful only concept. the whole media knew because for decades it was every press conference they want to know about the depth chart and what all you man. had to do was look in the meeting room and see it listed out man, there man it's person. right there it's right there no <laughs> man it was beautiful inside the it was i remember room. i remember yeah staring at all the you know backs of guys like joe walker and uh you know Ahmad brooks and Irvis hill and <laughs> You know, all those guys, and, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm taking their job. And when everybody in that room has that mentality, that I'm taking that job. Now, we want everybody in the room to do well, but I'm taking that damn job. I want that job. And I know Huff, them, they wanted my job. And said, Vasher, we wanted my job. He couldn't take my job, so he moved him to safety. You know what I mean? That was respect. Like, you ain't going to take my damn job. He's like, man, I was coming for and you. And that's where Texas needs to be. I was like, yeah, you ain't coming. You ain't going to take it. I love you, but you ain't going to take my job. But I want you to be good, too. So come with me. Let's go get these extra reps. I'm going to beat you in every damn drill. You know what I mean? I'm going to win. That's what I'm going to do. Like, you get that that uber competitive, like, atmosphere and that, that culture. Dude, it's it was something I had never been a part of like before, and it was awesome. And like, you get to awesome. that point and where you're back up, then coach goes to the other coach. Yeah. like, well we, well, we can't keep them off the field. Where are we going to put them? And they We're go and put them at just special put teams, put them at safety, put them somewhere. Put them out there, let them play. So, so as we go down to the defense into the front seven, and the internet's not cooperating with me, I should have probably yeah, pulled this up. Right there it goes. No, 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 you're, you're, you're fine, Ron. Um, I, I finally got it. Uh, when, when we look at the front seven – to me, the, the position that stands out is B-backer. Now, when we talk about linebacker, I do think depth at inside linebacker is a concern, and I think you're going to see some different guys cross-train there. I think you'll see Jeffrey McCullough get some reps inside uh, because really behind Anthony Wheeler. And, and Anthony Wheeler's another guy, Rob. We talk about Brandon Jones. Wheeler's a guy that's played a lot of football, but when you really start to break it down, has he made a lot of plays? Like it seems like his, his, his playmaking games – are limited to like a game here or a game there, and then there's stretches where, you know, he's just kind of there. So there's a step Anthony Wheeler's got to take. 
Gary Johnson's a guy on this defense that I think is about to blow up, and I think this spring we'll see him ascend to be the guy. Because, yes, Malik Jefferson's gone, but I think one of the reasons why Malik Jefferson was so good last year was the staff playing Gary Johnson next to him once they went to that dime package. And I think that pushed Malik because Gary Johnson's got that work ethic. And, Mm -hmm. Rod, there weren't – you know, you didn't have – back in your day at Texas, there weren't a lot of JUCO guys. There might have been like one or two on the roster. But that's what I like about recruiting JC guys because when you get the right JC guy in there, those are the guys that realize, like, this is my last chance. Yeah. I can't screw this up. I got to make the most of this. I got everything on the line. And I think Gary Johnson's one of those guys that (laughs) – from what I heard, when he got when he got to campus last summer, it was like, "Wow, you guys get to eat food like three times a day. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's awesome!" Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> coming from, coming from Dodge City, where you might get one meal, you know, it's it's a different world. Y'all here? going out to eat at Cooper's Barbecue? What but that hell? that makes yeah. that and and Nashawn yeah. Hughes is one of the guys that says, "Man, that makes the guys around him be like, wow, you know this this cat's coming at it from a different perspective mm-hmm. that you got to respect.'" Uh, so I think Gary Johnson's going to take it to another level. But when you when mm-hmm. you talk about linebacker. B-backers the position that they got to get more out of. And we talked about Jason Hall. They took Nashawn Hughes off the field and effectively made Jason Hall as the sixth defensive back, made him the B-backer. And I want to look at some pass rush numbers, Rod. I broke this down. This is all from Pro Football Focus, and I'll try to tweet this article out uh, this week. When you look at it, I just pulled the pass rush grade, pass rush grades from Pro Football Focus of the returning lettermen, so the guys that are back from the roster. Uh, your best pass rushers coming back, Charles Amenahu, 76.3, uh, Brecken Hager, 73.4, and, and keep in mind, Hager didn't play till start yeah. playing a lot till halfway through the year. Till the dime package became yeah. popular. And then yeah. Jeffrey McCulloch, 71.5, and McCulloch missed three games with an ankle injury. So, you know, the B-backer mix this spring, it's going to be McCulloch get some run there. Uh, Marquez Bimage is going to get some run there because I think he's a guy that the staff looks at as right now as a situational pass rush guy. I mm-hmm. think they think he can give them something. But I'm for moving Malcolm Roach there, and I think you'll Ooh, see that at least like situationally. That. But think about what Malcolm Roach yeah. did at the Fox Inn yeah. as a true freshman, and even last year, you know, the tackle for loss numbers were down. I think he had eight as a true freshman. I think he was like at three or four mm-hmm. last year. Uh, had a one fewer sack, but that was playing closer to Hand the ball. Handed dirt sometimes, yeah. yeah. So I think you free him up a little bit. And, you know, I I, I just want to read you some numbers again. I've run down those pass rush grades. Uh, You know, Nashawn Hughes, his pass rush grade, and this is the lack of production. And keep in mind that B-backer spot in this defense. That was Tyus Bowser at U of H. So you're talking about a guy that was versatile, a legit frontline NFL prospect as an outside linebacker. Mm-hmm. And then you look at what Nashawn Hughes gave you. Uh, finished the year with a below what Pro Football Focus considers below average for a pass rushing grade uh, of fifty one point four. Uh, PFF College credited Hughes with only seven total pressures on one hundred and ten snaps as a pass rusher. So that's one disruptive snap every fifteen point seven snaps. How big is Bowser? Or was was Bowser? Bowser. Matt, can you look that up yeah, for yeah. me? Pull some Tyus Bowser numbers now. So then I mentioned Jason Hall. Jason Hall finished with a pass rush grade of 69.4. That might not sound like a big deal. That was the fourth best pass rushing grade for any safety in the country last year. 6'3", hmm. 227. Okay. So fouls are undersized okay. compared and to okay. Jason yeah. Hall. Jason Hall was getting one disruptive. Now I mentioned Nashawn Hughes. Well, he's kind of like a Jason Hall size. Yeah. <laughs> Just ties by. Yeah. 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 Nashawn Hughes, one disruptive snap every 15.7 snaps. Mm. Jason Hall. 
one disruptive snap every 6.8 snaps. Yeah. So the per snap production is much better. And then you start looking at the disruptive snaps per snap on a per snap basis. Jeffrey McCulloch, one every 4.9 pass rush snaps. Gary Johnson, one every 5.9. Anthony Wheeler, one every 5.4. Malcolm Roach, one every 15.6. But Roach was different because he was playing yeah, was with his hand in the dirt more yeah. often. Yeah. So everybody other than Nixon Hughes was really productive when they were asked to rush the passer. Now, keep in mind, that's not actually snaps played. That's snaps as a pass rusher. So Depending you on can, yes. if you're blitzing. Right, or, so you yeah, can yeah. look at those numbers, slice them however you want. The bottom line is Texas needs more production from that B-backer spot. And I'm really intrigued if they move Malcolm Roach there. And you can move Malcolm Roach there because you return Brecken Hager, you return Charles Amenahu, you've got some other pieces on that defensive line who can who can give you snaps in various shades. Jamari Chisholm's back. Gerald Wilbon, even though he was banged up coming out of the bowl game, he'll be around for spring ball. Chris Nelson thing's kind of interesting because the grad transfer rumors are kind of starting to fire up on Chris Nelson again after they died down. So, But he's coming off the elbow injury anyway. Uh, and then you've got a young guy like Taquan Graham. Uh, I mentioned Jamari Chisholm still around. So there, you've got enough defensive linemen that you can sacrifice Malcolm Roach for spring ball and say I we want to see if Roach at the B-backer spot can work because that position is so important to our defense. Because I, well, I just love what Todd Orlando does because he's so situational in the way that he approaches things, right? So in I, we've seen him evolve real time last season with the way he approached it and bringing in the lightning package and using different guys like, you know, Brecken Hager and Jason Hall, like literally guys personnel-wise who were versatile and he considered, you know what, in situ- different situations, depending on the team I'm playing, depending on the matchup, this guy will be, like, he, this guy will be utilized because he can be really effective against whatever the team is doing. So, you know, I think if you're looking at it as just a weapon in the arsenal, mm-hmm. it's part of the artillery. Hmm. Um, yes, no question about it. Mal- Malcolm Roach should be used there, and he should have different packages and looks and fronts where you can use him in that B-backer role. But I do wonder, you know, since we the lightning package was basically the dime package was in six defensive backs, became the base personnel for them mm-hmm. late in the year. If he'll continue on that, and then depending on the teams that he plays and the matchups and how much they want to run the ball and from what different personnel sets they want to run the ball from and what they want to pass from, then you use different you know sets or where you can use him in the B-backer role because Jason Hall was there as a as a safety, and you're looking at Ty's, you know, you know Bowser's yeah. you know, metrics. Same, same size. He's kind of the same size as Jason Hall. You know, I wonder if they recruited DeMarvion Overshone as basically the guy they're going to themselves mold and shape just for that role because they I like the way so, Jason yeah. Hall played it. They remember Ty, you know, Bowser. Is it Tyus? What is it? Tyus Bowser. Tyus Bowser. I won't say Tyson for some reason. Mm-hmm. Tyus Bowser. Uh, they like. Ty. They like. Yeah, they like those guys as uh, you know measurable so much in that role. They decided. You know what? We're going to recruit a guy that basically has that size, but he is he's still raw. And we're gonna build him in our uh, make him up in the image that we want for that position. Right. Yeah. So I don't even know if they want a true linebacker front seven presence in it as much as they want versatility. And I agree with you, Malcolm Roach, very versatile. When he is that guy. When he when is he's that guy. That's why the- you should, as like I said, part of your defensive part of your playbook. You know what? I'm gonna break out this. I'm gonna break out this Malcolm Roach. You know, be backer on. Oklahoma State or K State or whoever, and then right. we're gonna be able to utilize it. But yeah, in terms of 
hell, these days, I don't know what anybody's base is. I don't know what the hell. It, it doesn't no, matter. And th- that's it's what's the so nickel perfect. here just to base and to begin, and then it's your dime most of the and time. And that's what's so perfect about the situation. We talk about the adaptability and how much we love a guy like Orlando, and you just look at the numbers because, like, as Jeff said, those it's obvious Hall very successful in those purse snaps whenever he's asked to rush. Very unsuccessful was a guy like, say, Hassan. But when you look at how they're used, it looks as if Orlando's using them to their strengths because you look at Texas overall havoc rate whenever you're getting pressures and bringing blitzes. 33rd in the nation, that's pretty good. You're in the top half, but you look how it's brought. Now, D-line havoc rate, 100th. Not good, Mm. but when you look at – the percentages is where it outweighs because the linebackers right there at 48th. DBs were the second best in the country. There you go. If you're very good, but then now look at the percentages. This is where it really jumps out to you and where spreads. Where is that at, Matt? Uh, footballstudyhall.com. Okay. And then you go, and it's on the Texas profile. So you look at the DB Havoc rate. Normally, nationally, brought only 6.5%. Texas, 150% that wow. at 97 yeah. Now go That's look crazy. at the D-line. Five percent national average is four point nine. Texas only brought the D line havoc rate three point three percent, a hundred fifty percent down. So now, th- is this yeah. more of an explanation that Nation it wasn't his strength, or that we want to use our big bodies to consume other big bodies and, and free up our athletes and yeah. our guys that are good at tackling, good in space, in space. Good aggressive, bring them into those traits and I think this is more not necessarily a compliment to Hall but a compliment to Orlando probably identifying what his weapons are knowing his personnel and using them right but yeah those numbers just blow me away that not only are you 100th and second but whenever the national average is five and six and a half you're over here at 3.3 and 9.7 150% the time which is just an insane percentage when you look at it because overall just our natural havoc rate 16 percent's the national average texas 18 percent. so we're only bringing two percent extra deviation that's 12 percent. so only 12 percent more yeah. but the disbursement of it was yeah. 150 percent more because yeah. of the success Bring that you were having once in. every 6.8 snaps with hall man yeah those numbers it makes total is, sense dude, that is damn match you're good that, is, that just blew my mind. Yeah. That is fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I totally. I well, got to go find study that. hall. People can look at the numbers. Just go to right. the I'm Texas. But that goes back. Profile. I'm going there to Rod, that goes back to what you go talked about. Hole. <laughs> and, and this 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 kind of ties into welcome, it. Welcome to my world. The versatility <laughs> conversation with Jason Hall over Nason Hughes. Jason Hall allows you to be more versatile mm-hmm. because as much you can do so much more with your disguises and, 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 this and different shells you can show people. Yeah. Yep. And Tom Herman, you Tom don't Herman know where even, it's coming from. Yeah, I asked Tom Herman yep. in the signing day press conference about, you know, if that dime changed the way they recruit. And he mentioned he mentioned that B backer spot might have changed the way they look at that going forward. But he you know he said you pretty much they're gonna be Dime personnel when they when anybody they face eleven personnel, well damn go look at the Big Twelve how many how many teams run eleven personnel and the, everybody we don't exactly these modern yeah. labels yeah. don't even matter so much in the way that you play football now or the way you play positionless basketball it's more about yeah. skill sets and how you can then get that chess match to get the mismatch and then use that against them the next play to get another mismatch. Well, it's very Belichickian because if you guys watched the two very Bills modern. documentary, oh yeah, it was great. I still uh, haven't seen the it. you got to go watch dude, it, dude. You need well, to watch that immediately. Yeah, uh, where the uh, they're playing Taylor against stuff is so Buff- awesome. Yeah, they're playing against the Bills, and the Bills are running that K gun way back mm-hmm. in the day with Jim Kelly and all the wide receivers, um, and Andre Reed and those guys, and Thurman Thomas. And Bill Belichick says, "You know Give what? 
let Thurman Thomas have whatever the hell he wants. We're going to let him eat. We're going to get back on these wide receivers, and we're going to pound the hell out of these wide outs. And, we're gonna, and they play dime, mm-hmm. I believe, like 90% of the game. And people were like, he's playing dime out there with against Thurman and Thomas? And he's letting Thurman, him run for a hundred something. He was like, yeah, let Thurman run, but we're going to shut down the pass and not let them move not the ball be, in chunks down the field. Exactly. And it, it was brilliant. And Bill Bellett, I was just saying, so – I, I think Todd Orlando strikes me as a guy, Belichick, and it's about situational football. It's you no different. I mean? We yes. talk about this. Muschamp was so good at this. What do you do well? I'm gonna make you. I'm gonna make you beat me left-handed. Yeah. In other words, I, I, look at something. What can I take away? Yeah. And, and I'm gonna take that one thing away. If you beat me doing this other thing, yeah. Then I'll just tip my cap. And what are they to doing in the Big Twelve to take? The, what are they doing in the Big Twelve? Very good. We have really good quarterbacks and the best offenses in the country. And how do they do it? They throw the football mm-hmm. to get down the field. All right, we're taking away the pass, even with personnel. Six DBs on the field. Blitzing you man. got four wide receivers on the field. I got six DBs. I already outnumber you on the back end. You want to run it? Great. I got a versatile defender that I can put in the box. I got <laughs> I got big linemen that'll that'll suck up other linemen, yep. and so I can win there in the numbers. And I got fast linebackers that can go sideline to sideline. That's what we on Charlie so much yeah, over man. his three mm-hmm. years for not doing enough of. Yeah, because it was almost like that staff was like, okay. We'll just see if ours are better than yours. No, you're doing yourself a disservice when you yeah. do that. Take yeah. away the strength. Exactly. Take away the strength. Be obvious about it too. Take away something. Saban does the same thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. be obvious. Take even, something yeah. away. I'm not. I'm not gonna hide it. No, I'm not trying to hide it. No, I'm taking away the pass. Okay. Yeah. You can run. You want to run it? Run it. I got a Puna Ford right here, which helps. The, That's also gonna be a challenge. One. Well, then think about you know, me replacing that guy. I got. I got beasts up front. I will be able to stop. The first know, game we run. saw was Oklahoma State. Yeah. When Texas clearly had a had a plan. We're taking away the deep ball. Yeah, we're taking if you're going to beat us with something, you're not beating us with the deep mm. ball. You're going to yeah. dink and dunk it, you're going to run it, but you're not going to beat us with And the deep then ball. when it comes down to actual just looking at the styles versus each other, because if you, that you're already in that, that we need to take away the pass, well, what's the quickest way and the most consistent way to get havoc on the passes with a pass rush yep. to bring it and then to also then disrupt timing? You want to be able to get out. So get guys like we're showing about those DBs being rangy enough to be able to have the long arms to be mm-hmm. able to get that initial jam to disrupt any type of little time. Just first two seconds of free release can keep your timing on schedule. Or if then you get the three seconds of pass rush, you can throw it all off if you get a turnover or deflection or something like that. So err on the side in the finesse passing conference of physicality and trying to disrupt timing. And that's going to be your one way to be. It seems simple. It seems like more teams would do it. But it's hard to do because it's risking a big play, a touchdown every time to where the polarity, you could get beat real bad if you aren't good at doing it. You know, No, it's it's one of those things that. Ideally, that's the case, but who has the personnel to do it? Exactly. It's almost blue like, yeah, of course. You have to be a blue blood. You to have to it. have the personnel. Yeah, everybody wants to do what the Warriors are doing. You ain't got the personnel you to do You don't have it. the shooters. You know what I mean? You ain't got the shooters to do it. You got to do it a different way. And with the Rockets, the Rockets are doing it a different way. Mm-hmm. They got they got two combo guards. Nobody in the NBA can have two guys like that that can score on their own, be isolation scores like CP3 and like Houston, so and like uh, Harden. So they got their own thing going on. But so with Todd Orlando, the thing that's interesting about him. And the him, modern rules are yeah, effect- helping him. He now has access to the elite personnel right. to fit your utopian concept or whatever. Yep. You know what? I want to do this. Well, he actually now at Texas, you can have access to the best D linemen right. and the best line, most athletic linebackers and the best secondary, uh, arguably in the Big 12 mm-hmm. and in the, in the country. You know what I mean? Like that, that. To him, that's why he will stay. Like, I, like I got to go. Oh, that's why that. Belichick. He's, he's on, never huh? had this in his you're, life. You're I, never going to leave those situations right? once you get to that it's, point. Yeah, it's the way Saban, Belichick, and Papa running. I got a stuff. glimpse of that last summer when I heard him speak at the Angelo Football Clinic, 
and he was breaking down his defense and talking about his zone blitz packages yeah. and his blitz packages. And he was talking about, you know, in this defense, I like leaving my corners on an island, which, you know, he's like, at Houston, my guys were good. He's like, but have you seen the corners I've got right now? I didn't have guys that look like this at Houston. What? <laughs> Even Devon, we 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 kind of you know we don't put we've told Devontae, totally Devontae Davis yeah by the way. but he's yeah. like Devontae <laughs> Davis this guy's one of the best athletes I've ever had in a quarter you know what I mean like he hasn't had access to this kind of personnel and right. still has had success but now oh man like yeah like Malcolm Roach I'm with you I guarantee he's cooking up something for Malcolm Roach he's like man that skill set because yeah. I think he looks at guy he's like Belichick mm-hmm. he looks at guys and goes man what can I do with a guy that can run like that with that kind of size. And with that can fit in my scheme. That's why you didn't see guys all throughout the year. You saw different guys step up. Yeah. Right? Well, no, and that's why he's this featuring year? different guys in, in different situations with different matchups. You're like, oh, no, who's going to shine this day? Oh, it's going to be, oh, uh, man, you go wait till I put my corners on an island against these guys. You're going to see them show up, and then I'm going to be able to blitz Malik coming here and there. So I think he's all about maximizing skill set. So that, I love me some right. title. Yeah, and so, you look about that one second. Sorry, but uh, look at the yeah. adjustment period. We talk about new coaches coming to a conference too. Yeah. And now that you have this film on him, I could really see when you have a diamond in the rough type guy, like if Roach is that perfect weapon and yeah. the rest of the conference is paying attention that you're bringing your DBs more than anybody. That's a guy that situationally is going to be ahead of the curve. And if this is your strength, use and showcase Malcolm Roach as something. And you can use your past film to your advantage. It's something you hear that Very Belichick true. puts That's a bad film does. out there all, yeah, the all the time just for the hell of it. Yep. To kind of tie it together with the Seahawks conversation from earlier, you know who loves bringing DBs all the time? Pete Carroll. Yeah, he does. Pete Carroll loves. That's why he loves Cam Chancellor, who's basically a B-backer. Yeah. <laughs> He's basically <laughs> Jason Holt. He's the Holt ultimate B-backer. Yeah. Like, oh, man, I love this guy. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. I'm with you. So we got about 10 minutes left, and I want to talk some about the offense. So when we talk about this Texas defense, and we, we're going to have this conversation throughout the offseason. We looked at year one to year two from for Manny Diaz, mm-hmm. year one to year two for Vance Bedford. Yeah. Are we saying that with the experienced personnel that Texas has, number one, and number two, the fact that Todd Orlando, in my opinion, has figured out how to coach defense in this conference. Yeah. At least he's got an idea of what he wants to do. He's hacked the Big 12, I think, which is crazy. Are, are we saying <laughs> that the defense, while it might take a step back, we feel confident saying this thing's not going to fall off a cliff. Look at the, look at the bowl game, man. Texas yeah. bowl. No Malik, no Deshaun, um, no Houghton oh, Hill. No. And then all you have is Puna there, and yet that defense still performed to a certain standard. That's why we talk about Against that framework. Against a Big 12 cultured offense. Kind right. of a big 12 yeah, and you always talk about offense. the stability of the framework having some type of scheme advantage, and that's what it's saying. Like Even if you do have a talent fall off, you still have that higher floor because of the system or the right. framework of what yeah. you do. So, yeah, it can fall off, but it can still be higher than if you fall off and don't have that, which could be just a crater down below. Yeah. So let's look at the offense real quick, and uh, I I guess we'll start with the offensive line because I think that's the most intriguing position group this spring. Now, we did have the big happening last weekend. Calvin Anderson announced he's coming to Texas. He will not be here this spring. He's still got to finish up at Rice. He'll be here this summer, and then he'll be with the team during fall camp. But, Rod, I would expect this spring to be a period of great experience. Now, I don't want to talk quarterbacks this week just so everybody before. Why are you guys talking quarterbacks? we got plenty of time. We'll get into it, yeah, no doubt. Um, but I want to talk about the offensive line because I think this is going to be a group where Herb Hand looks at a lot of different things. Because in the spring, and right, I think coaches lose sight of this sometimes. Spring ball is where you can, if you want to see, what does this guy look like at center? 
I'll run him in there for a period or two. That's a great point. This is where you do that. Mm-hmm. You don't do that during fall camp because no. that's when preparing for the season. Yeah, you're pretty much you got pretty much like two weeks of of drills, and then boom, you're in a game plan and install for that yeah, for yeah. the opener. So this is where you can experiment with that. I would be shocked if Herb Hand. I mean, I and I was thinking about it. I've got an article coming out on the site about position moves I would make. Roach to be backer was one of those. Mm-hmm. You know, a move I would look at. Well, well, number one, because you're going to have to have a backup center because with Jake Millen and Terrell Cooney gone, you don't have a backup center right yeah. now. I look at Derek Kerstetter at center because that's the position, one of the positions he was thought to be able to play at a high level when he came in, and he's had some time in the strength program now over the winter. So maybe we'll see see how he can anchor a little bit. Number one and number two, with the flexibility you've got now, knowing that you've got Calvin Anderson at left tackle. To me, if you want to just run Sam Cosby in there to get him reps at left tackle yeah. this spring, do it. Do it. But you've got the flexibility now with a guy like Elijah Rodriguez, who I think is your your kind of five tool guy, your utility player. You can kind of put him wherever you need him. And then a guy like Denzel Okafor with starting experience, maybe let him get some work at tackle. You can work with a guy like Kerstetter at center. And it's all about making your offensive line better. I think you've got to find somebody, whether it's Kerstetter or maybe it's Rodriguez, somebody to push Zach Shackelford for the same reason that Mikey Grandy's going to come in and push Patrick Vahe for the same reason that yeah. Patrick Hudson, when he's healthy in fall camp, is going to push somebody at right guard. You want your five, your best five to be the five that really earn it, not just, okay, these are the five that we think we've got from this group of guys yeah. that we're not really sure about. No, it's exactly what we talked about with the DBs, right? Uh, when they were rebuilding the Texans secondary when Matt came in, he had Quentin Jammer. That's pretty much all he had. Thank God now they they have – you know, um, Calvin Anderson coming in. Yeah. All right, so I was like, all right, I, I got a guy. I got a guy. You know can, who's going to be your starting know, left tackle. Exactly. I know, and then when Quentin Jammer was like, I know who's going to be my starting. He can put him at safety, he can put him at corner, whatever. He's like, all right, I got these youngsters coming in. Um, they're coming in to push my older guys because obviously experience is big. So they're going to come in and just push my older guys. And then you, that, with that, you're able to take it to the next level uh, because maybe one of those young guys will push past, you know, that, that veteran, yeah. um, which didn't give you depth. All right. If that guy wins that job that early, then you have your depth because you got the veteran right. behind him. So that's how you how you build your depth, and it's also how you lift the standard of comp, you know competition in the room. So I totally agree with what you're saying there. No Spring question. is the time where you've got yeah. to think of questions like who's going to be our backup center. Yep. What if knock on what if wood, this happens? Play the if game, the what if game. Yeah. If Zach Shackelford tears a knee up yeah. this spring and yeah. is out for an extended period yeah. this fall. What are you going to do at center? It's almost that should be like what the coaches come up with like mm-hmm. before the practice. It's like, all right, well, we're coming out this way. It's like, what if something happened to Blank? Because that's what happened last year. Yeah. That yeah. what if game is what happened last year. All Everybody, those, all those, all really those fancy charts the coaches <laughs> all have. kept going down and all this kind of stuff. That's what happened. So play that game. Yes, but all it, those charts, all those things, that's what they should be figuring out. Like when you see yeah. on game day, there's 100 different things that for this player, this situation, without this guy, that's what you're looking for we're, right now. We're this, not going to be surprised during the season by any situation. This is where, because if I'm if I'm Sam Cosme or J.P. or Kitas, I know Calvin Anderson is going to be the starting left tackle. Nope. Done. That's why they recruited the guy. That's why he's right. In. But if I'm Herb Hand, I go to J.P. Urquidez and Sam Cosby and say, you two are going to battle it out of left tackle. Because if something happens to Calvin during the season, i got to know who's going to be our left tackle. i got to have my plan B. i gotta, I got to have a – exactly. Yep. got to have the backup plan. 
So you can let those guys battle it out. You can, you know, see what Derek Kerstetter looks like at center. Yep. Is, Denzel, is Denzel Okafor a better fit at tackle or guard? guard. Figure yep. it out now. And yeah. these are the types of is a better fit at tackle or guard. Like figure that, that out now. I, I say you have a plan B and C for every position. That's what you figure out in the spring. And you can never yep. really say that you can figure out, like, if a guy likes to play football or what. But, like, if it's, say, like, you aren't playing your position and one guy is going to go play that other position and this guy is hesitant or doesn't want to, you just found out you just found who out wants the guy's to play that attitude. Who wants yeah. to go play this which, football. Which Tom Herman likes to do. We know that. So those are the type of things building. like right now. Like yeah. you can learn a lot from something even yeah. if it is absolutely nothing. Him not moving over to use backup that minutes and those lot. things. And so little stuff like that in the spring. I agree with that. We, uh, we, we talk about Chris Boyd and Brandon Jones. Chris Boyd being the guy you can build the defense around. Brandon Jones being, you know, um, a guy that's kind of on the clock. And we really mm-hmm. totally just poo-pooed Devontae Davis. But you go to the <laughs> offense, and, and I think Calvin Anderson's the guy that this line is going to be built around. Yep. Um, I think Zach Shackelford is kind of in that Brandon Jones role. I, I, Zach Shackelford's on the clock. He's got to play better than he did last year. There you go. He's a, he's like the Brandon Jones of the group. Yeah. It's like, all right. And, and the guy <laughs> that we've kind of poo-pooed who I think has got to be better, Patrick Vahey's got to be better. Yep. You you need you need him to play like an all-Big like all 12 caliber guy. He should be at this point. That and, was his. That was that was part. His right. ceiling was higher. And than here's it is. the deal, yeah, Rod. He's to me, and this is no shot against Patrick Vai. I like Patrick. I think he's a good dude. Mm-hmm. But if he's not, you need to figure out pretty quick if Mikey Grandy is or not. Man, I forget about Grandy. Yeah, and that's a guy like you said. You said you, those guys coming in, man. Who if are, if who you're are, recruiting a JC lineman, you ain't recruiting Lowe, yeah. him to be a backup yeah. guy. And he's got that mentality too. Like, no, man, I don't got a lot of time. I ain't got no time. I got to, I got to go now. Like, I got to get in it. I got to work hard. That's what I got to do. He's a grown. He's a grown. And he, he's older. Quite motivated. How old is he? He's at a new place. I want to. I want to see what the what the former MMA fighter looks like at left guard. Mm-hmm. Or right. No, his attitude. He's a fighter. We know that. Yeah. <laughs> and we found out he Gary Johnson's just happy to be eating mm. food. Like, if you're coming yeah. over from right. a JUCO and Damn. you get a job that's how I want Texas, my That's how I want my like line back because yeah. I want him just happy to get a free, a free meal. They're like, yeah. Yeah, the, the definition of hungry. Like, he's hungry. Like, so like to continue hungry the, Gary, the, faster, baby. the Gary Johnson conversation, though, he gained ten pounds like real quick because yeah, he just—it's like, like it's amazing <laughs> what you can do when you're eating three meals a day. Yeah, you know, <laughs> he was hungry. Literally. Watch out for those hungry JUCO guys coming Man. in. No, literally, they're K State is a program built on them. I can stand to skip a meal or two, but Gary and, and give one to Gary Johnson if, if you need it. Which, by the way, man, we were talking about pregnancy weight before the show started. I think I gained more weight during my wife's pregnancy than she did. Travis over here laughing. Sympathy weight, right? Here's my problem. Sympathy yeah. like every, earlier. And everybody yeah, knows that I've had. Weight. Everybody knows I have I have weight issues. Like it's no secret. Like I stress eat, Rod. Like, uh, do you? That's my problem. That's my nice. fallback. I stress eat. Nice confession there. Like some the people show. have their vices, like yeah. you drink or you mm-hmm. do pills. I stress eat. Yeah. Like, why did I just eat three bowls of Fruit Loops? I didn't eat three mm-hmm. bowls of yeah. Fruit Loops. But right. I just yeah. Ate yeah. It why the hell am I? And you don't even realize you're doing it at the time. Yeah. And then see, like, your third bowl. You know, what the hell am I doing? Why am I up at two in the morning eating burritos? Love how yeah. wrong with me. Nope. Trust me, dude. I stress other things, but I won't reveal that on the show. You don't want to know. got from Gary Johnson to me stressing. Maybe some kids listening. Exactly. Kids listening. But, you know, we got more. We're going to have more shows. And, and I'm back now for the time being. I'm, nice. I'm probably going to take some time off at some point. But next week we'll get that into quick. the offense because, you know, the, the Herb Hand conversation is one I want to get into because that bleeds over into Derek Wareheim going to coach tight ends. And that's a position that, again, Rob, we talk about the pro spread, mm-hmm. the position that ties the pro with the spread yeah. is the tight, tight end. end. And we talk about guys that we're ready to see bust out. Could this be the spring where we see Reese Lato, who had a good fall, but – 
it's the fall. You're not really worried about scout team guys. Mm-hmm. Is this where we start hearing about Reese Lato being a guy that looks like he could be an answer? This, it's just one component of the offensive identity crisis that Texas football has been going through for the last going on nine years now. Yeah. All right? Because nobody's been able to fix it. The offense has been broken since 2010, and nobody's been able to fix it. That's that's partly why Tom Herman was brought in, right. to fix it. And there are a lot of aspects. So it's quarterback, offensive line, first offensive lineman draft since 2008 will come up this year in the draft. Finally, um, we'll stop talking finally, about that. You know what I mean? Stat. And find a running game, all those things. You brought up tight end. Tight end has been an endangered species on the 40 acres right. uh, since David Thomas, since Bo Scaife. So all those things is part of the things he's got to fix to fix the overall crisis about offense. All right, and we will do that next week on the show. Matt, thanks for everything, man. You are more than welcome. Rod, we appreciate the time and the knowledge. Always a pleasure, brother. For Matt, for Rod, for Travis, the best day of videographer in the podcast came for everybody at the Austin Radio Network and 1049 The Horn, AM 1260, Horn FM, The Horn app, where you can hear Rod be on the Rodcast weekdays from 1 to 3. Same as book. For the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I'm Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and we will catch you again on the next episode. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com.